men have in common? Sam Walton, when he was building Walmart, still had time to teach a boys' Sunday school class and work in the church suppers. Or the president of McDonald Douglas in, Ken, in uh, St. Louis, while well, he was president of that great corporation, still taught a boys' Sunday school class. Or S. Truett Cathy, who was the founder, of course, and the CEO many years, and the builder of Chick-fil-A, for 50 years, 50 years, he taught an 8th grade boys' Sunday school class in his congregation. Or Adolf Coors IV, from the brewing family in Golden, California, in Golden Colorado, uh, he and his wife went around the country speaking to various men's groups about what Jesus Christ meant for him and his wife and their marriage. Roger Williams, who is known for making Autumn Leaves, uh, quite a famous song, and also the uh, theme, th- theme song for uh, Chariots of Fire, a great pianist, was also uh, the pianist at the Crystal Cathedral, his home congregation. And Zig Ziglar, who is, of course, a tremendous speaker, motivational speaker all over the country, also taught an adult Bible class in his home congregation, which was Prestonwood Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. Or Bill McCartney, while he was the uh, while he was the coach for the Colorado Buffaloes, founded Promise Keepers. What's all of these men have in common? What's common about all of them? Well, many things, of course. All of them were hardworking men. All of them were very successful achievers. All of them were very disciplined. All of them were very ambitious. All of them were well-known and highly respected. But also this, each and every one was a devout and dedicated Christian man, a servant of Jesus Christ. And each and every one was a conscientious steward of their time and their talent. And I want to repeat that again because that's so important. Every one of them was a conscientious steward of their time and their talent. And that's what we want to talk about in the next few minutes, and I pray God's blessing upon my speaking and your hearing. Stewardship, of course, is a word that we hear frequently in the church. It simply means management. That's what stewardship is all about. It is simply management. A steward is a manager. In the Bible, that uh, title, steward, was uh, given to people who managed the estates of rich people, took care of their slaves, the, the farming operation, all of those kind of things. Jesus told the story about an unjust manager, steward, who took advantage of his master and lined his own pockets. Remember that story, that parable? Where Joseph in the Old Testament, of course, was also a steward. He was a slave, but Potiphar made him the steward of his estate, and he took care of the managing of all of that state and the farming operation, all of those things there. Now, the Bible calls you and me stewards, refers you and me, calls us stewards, which simply means this, we are managers for our Lord Jesus Christ. In the biblical days, of course, the steward owned nothing himself. The master owned everything. And he simply was a manager of all that his master owned. And so also you and I are stewards to manage everything that God has given us, to manage our time, to manage our possessions, to manage our talents, everything that our God has placed into our hands. We are managers of those things. We have to recognize this truth. If we're going to be a good steward 
we have to memorize, we have to recognize this fact, that I own nothing. Everything I have, finally, is a gift of God to me. That's brought out in the very first verse of the scripture. Did you ever think about that? The very first verse of the scripture says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Before that, there was nothing here. That everything is here is the doing of God. That before that very first day, there was nothing except God and eternity. And then God said, let there be. And there was a day, and there was time, and there was a universe. The psalmist points to this when he says, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, everything on it, everything in the world, and all of those who dwell on it. You know, in Acts chapter 17, tells the story of Paul preaching in Athens. And he preaches this great sermon about how God has created all things. And then he ends by saying this, In him we live and move, and have our being. Do you know what that means? That means that every heartbeat is a gift of God to us. Every breath we breathe is a gift of God to us. We are, and we have, only because of God's very generous giving hand. Martin Luther brought this out in the explanation of the first article. Many of you have memorized this going through school, but listen to these words once again. Luther writes, I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that he has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and still preserves them. Also, he gives me clothing and shoes and meat and drink and house and home and wife and children and fields and cattle and all my goods. What was Luther pointing to when he wrote this? That everything I have and everything I am comes from the gracious giving hand of God. My time, my talent, my possessions. Everything I have while I am here is gift to me. Christian stewardship begins with that recognition. Recognition: If I'm going to be a good steward for God, if I'm going to be a good manager for God, then I've got to remember, remember, everything I am, everything I have, comes from him. The second thing, of course, which is necessary for me to be a good, good steward for the Lord, is that I recognize that he has redeemed me. He has saved me. I have to recognize that. I have to recognize that I'm a sinner. And by my sin, I have separated myself from God. That was the case of Adam and Eve way back in the Garden of Eden. That's where all of that started. They turned their backs upon God, separated themselves from God, and went their own way, and in doing so, headed themselves toward hell. And when God saw that, that they had separated themselves from him who is life, separated themselves from him who had given them everything they had, it broke his heart, because he knew how that was all going to end up. So it broke his heart. And he determined that he would send a rescuer into the world, who would save, who would take care of the sin problem, take care of the death problem, and bring about that which he had intended at the beginning. And so he sent Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect life, didn't he? For you and for me, the kind of life we should live, but don't and can't. And then he died our death for us. 
took our judgment into his own body and soul. That's what that horrible cross, Good Friday, was all about. Jesus died under our judgment. And he died there on that cross, rose from the grave for me, for my forgiveness, for my heaven. And once I realize that, once I realize the amazing grace that is there, once I realize what a wondrous thing that is, that I don't have to worry about death, I don't have to worry about forgiveness, because Jesus Christ took it all and made it all possible through for me. Once I realize I have a Savior, I spend the rest of my life thanking Him. And that's what stewardship is. That's what management is. I now manage my time, my possessions, everything. I manage those because I am so thankful. That's what stewardship is. It is the believer's response to God's love. Listen to that. Stewardship is a believer's response to God's love. He has been so gracious and so good to me. I, I, I want to please him in every way I possibly can. I want to bring glory to his name in everything I do and say. My goodness, I've got a great, great God. So that the fruit of saving faith is my stewardship. Listen to this. One man has written this, and this is so neat. Listen. Christian stewardship is what I do after I have said I believe. Listen to that again. Christian stewardship is what I do after I've once said I believe. It is the response of my whole life to Christ out of gratitude for an amazing love that meant death on the cross. It's the giving of everything I am and everything I have to him, to be used as he directs. It's faith in action. It is the good works that Luther insists are compelled by faith. It's all of me that God wants. My money, my interest, my abilities, my loyalty, my willingness to seek out others, my time, my energy, my resources. Christian stewardship then begins with the recognition that everything I am and everything I have comes from the giving hand of God. And number two, it flows out of my confession that Jesus Christ is my Savior. Now, the first thing I want to manage then as a Christian steward is my time. What a tremendous gift that is. Time. God has given me life and he gives me time. Think of that. Now you've heard this story before, but listen once again. An angel comes to a man in, in his dream and tells him that he's won a wonderful lottery, and the reward is that he's going to have $1,440 deposited in his bank account every morning. But he has to spend the 1440 during the day, and at the end of the day, all of that must be gone, because the next day it's going to start over, and he can't carry over anything until the next day. My, he feels so great about that. But that's exactly what God does for you and me. Every day he gives you and me 1,440 minutes. Ever think of it in that way? God gives you and me 1,440 minutes. Now, as a Christian steward, 
I want to manage those 1,440 minutes for him. King David recognized this. Listen to what he said in the Old Testament. My times are in thy hand. Now just think of what that means. My times are in thy hand. And that's exactly what I said just a few moments ago. Every heartbeat is a gift of God. That's time. Every breath is a gift of God. That's time. So that every moment is a gift of God. Psalm 118, 24, and we often start our services out with this, don't we? This is the day which the Lord has made. Let me rejoice and be glad in it. What a great passage that is. You know, that passage suddenly came really real for me. The morning I woke up after my first heart attack, I had a heart attack and Dr. Beeson came in in the evening and he said, you know, the next 48 hours is very uh, dangerous. He said, uh, you may not be here tomorrow morning. Hmm, that makes you stop and think. Next morning I woke up. I looked around and I'm in intensive care. I'm still here on this world. You know, the first passage that came to my mind was, this is a day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. That suddenly you realize that every day is a gift of God and you wake up and you say, my goodness, Lord, you've given me another day. And so what man, what stewardship is about is I want to manage my time for my Lord. I, I want to do everything I can to bring glory to his name and I want to do everything I can to manage what he has given me in a way pleasing to me, to him. And so I use my time. One of the ways in which we use our time, of course, is to take care of our families. That's pleasing to the Lord, that I work and whatever, to take care of my family, to support my family, to support my children, to love my spouse, to love my children. Boy, that's so tremendously important. And there's so little time. Time passes so quickly. That that's something that I don't want to put off. I want to manage my time today to love my family, to support my family, to my children, my wife, and all of those kind of things, you see. To do everything I can, that's one of the ways in which I please my Lord, because I know that's his will. I want to take care of this body, too, that he has given to me. I want to take care of it emotionally and physically, spiritually, because he has given to me this body, and it is a wondrous gift, and so I want to use it in recreation. I want to take care of it in every way that I possibly can. And that's pleasing to him, too, because he's given me this wondrous gift, this body, and I want to take care of it as well as I can so that I can have that life and serve him in that life that he wants me to do. And I want to also, leave, I also want to use my time to, to serve him, in fact, he's given me the Sabbath day, and the reason for the Sabbath day is to remind me of him, to remind me that all the goodness in my life comes from him. He's giving me this Sabbath day to remind me to give my some of my time, a tithe of my time, whatever it might be, to him. And so I know that when I come to worship, like right here and now, that's pleasing to him. I know that from the scriptures, huh? I know that when I study his word, that's pleasing to him, that use of time. 
I know also that when I read the Bible, when I'm coming to him in prayer and praise, those are pleasing things when it comes to using time. And I know he also wants me to serve him in whatever way I can in my church. And so there's all kinds of ways of serving him. And when I do, I'm using my time in a pleasing way to him, be it in the music ministry or in the teaching ministry or in the evangelism ministry or in taking care of the properties or in ushering or working on committees or doing youth work, whatever it might be. All kinds of ways of serving. And when I serve him through the church which he has established, that's pleasing to him. I know that. And that's bringing glory to his name. But here there's a great temptation. And the temptation is this. The devil comes along and he tempts me to use my time just for me. That God gives me 168 hours in a week. And I can stand before God and I can say, I'm too busy for you. Which doesn't make any sense at all. Which is defiance. Which is rebellion. Can you imagine standing before God and saying, I'm too busy for you. I know that you give me every minute of my life. I know my time is your gift, but I'm too busy to give you any of it. I want all of it for me. My, that's an act of rebellion, isn't it? That's defiance to stand before God. It is true that there is so much to do in life that we have to prioritize, don't we? There's always more than I can do. And as we get older, we have to prioritize, don't we? But if I'm going to really let God be a part of my life and put him into my life, I've got to prioritize. And I've got to say, I, can't have, I don't have time for this because I need time for God. You know, when I was serving in Claflin, that's a little church, and there wasn't near to do, to do what is done here, and I became quite a stamp collector in Claflin. And I collected American stamps and Vatican stamps and Israeli stamps, and I read all the stamp papers, and I could tell you exactly what the price was on any day of a 1918 Air Force uh, uh, airmail stamp. I knew all the prices of the stamps. I knew what was selling, what wasn't selling. Ask me anything about stamps. I knew it all. But then when I got here, I began to realize I don't have time to be a stamp collector anymore. And that kind of fell by the wayside. I haven't bought a stamp, I suppose, for a collection for 40 years. Huh? Also, when I was in Claflin, I belonged to four different book clubs. Four different book clubs. I still read lots, but not even as much as I read back then. That fell by the wayside. And so that as we go through life, we begin to think, no, oh, that's not so important, and I can't do that anymore because this I've got to devote to my Lord. That's prioritizing, and we have to do that. It's a terrible rebellion to stand over against God and say, I don't have time. Another great temptation of the Bible brings this one out is this. When we are young... We don't have time for the Lord. And Ecclesiastes says this, Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Why does it say that? Because as young people we can become so busy that again we can't fit God into our lives. huh? And what Ecclesiastes says is this, When you're young you think you've got years and years and years ahead. Boy, when you're 20 and you look ahead to 70 or 80, that seems like miles and miles away. But let me tell you, that comes so quickly. And if you put off serving the youth, when, put off serving the Lord when you're in your youth, 
the first thing you know, youth is going to be gone. And those years of service are going to be gone. And so the Lord says, serve me in the days of your youth. Don't put it off. You don't know how long you have, but now is the day to serve. There's one other temptation today that becomes uh, such a big one when it comes to retirement, when it comes to time management, and that is retirement. There is in our society the idea that retirement is a time of self-indulgence. And all I have to do is what I want to do. And I can certainly push the Lord out of my life at that point. And there are retired people who do less for the Lord in their retirement than they did for the Lord when they were working. And that doesn't seem right. That having more, I give less. And yet if the Lord gives me this wonderful gift of retirement, and these added years, whatever they might be, then most certainly I want to use those generously too to serve my Lord. And so the question then becomes, how are you doing when it comes to being the servant of the Lord or using your time for the Lord? Are you a good manager of your time for the Lord? The Lord calls you to be a steward for Him, for your time. And the next thing, of course, is our talent. <clears throat> our talent. God gives each and every one of us talents. And we are also called to use those talents to bring glory to him and service to him. Every one of us has a talent. No one is left without talent. The Bible says that there are various degrees of talents. There are some who have ten, there are some who have five, and there are some who have one. But everyone has one. And Jesus told this parable about the one who had ten and the one who had five and the one who had one and the five. The one who had ten used his very faithfully and the Lord congratulated him and one had five used his very uh, wonderfully and the Lord said that's great but the one who had only one he buried it and didn't use it even that one for the Lord and so the Lord rebuked him for that we all have talents and God gives each one of us a talent to use in his service in his church in carrying out the great commission We must recognize those talents and do everything we can to discover what our talents are. And then we use those for the Lord in whatever way we have. Our talents are given to us not just for ourselves, and not just for us to make money or for our enjoyment, but our Lord gives us our talents to develop and use them for Him. One thing that woke me up, I suppose, one of those moments in life that wakes you up, it's my sophomore year at college. I worked in Winfield in the evenings at a home for the mentally retarded. I'd never been about a home for the mentally retarded. And I don't say this bragging. I, think, I, I, I say this as recognition. That was in the home for the mentally retarded and working there. It suddenly it dawned on me, God has given me a very good mind. God has given me a very good mind. I can learn quickly. Now, what am I to do with that mind? I'm to use that mind for him. That's talent. And I'm to use that mind for him. To develop that mind and to do everything I can that I might better serve him and make the world in which I live a better world. 
God has given every one of us talents in all kinds of different areas, and that's what makes this world work, and that's what makes the church work. And so, no one is left out. What God calls you and me to do is this, to discover our talents, and to develop our talents, and then to use them for Him. So the question becomes, how about you? God has given you certain talents. Are you using them to serve your family? Are you using them to serve your God? Are you using them to serve your fellow man? That's why you have them. That's why you have them. Are you using your talents as a good steward? Well, time and talent, both are gifts from God as our Heavenly Father. What he does this morning is he calls you and me to use our time and our talents faithfully, conscientiously, with commitment and with dedication. God help us all to do that. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. The all praise and glory be How shall we show our love to Thee Who give us all To Thee from whom all are derived Our life, our our power to give Oh, may we ever with Thee love Who give us all